0: Vegas Nation podcasts are sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $500 when you sign up. Sports. Entertainment. Little to no culture. It's time for Unsportsmanlike Conduct with Ed Graney and Adam Hill. Hey, welcome in to Unsportsmanlike Conduct with the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. And presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. We're your hosts, Ed Graney and Adam Hill, and we're here each week to give you our thoughts on the Las Vegas Raiders before entering the world of news and topics we find interesting. Here we go. Let's forget about football for a second. You're down at UFC, yes?
1: Yeah. Big week. It's it's, uh, it's Raiders related
0: too. That is that is big week. Why don't you explain, why don't you explain to the people what you're talking about? Because I want I've got some questions about this. You you love the social uh, social life of others and you know the the TMZ nonsense. Uh, so explain to what explain what's going on this week. I know I, I know you love that TMZ stuff.
1: I do. Uh, but this is I mean this is obviously very clearly Raiders related. John Jones, uh, widely considered the greatest UFC fighter of all time, he's been out for three years. He's actually been putting on some weight. Uh, to try to make it up to heavyweight and now he's finally returning he's fighting for the heavyweight title uh, really would leave no doubt that he's the best fighter of all time if he's able to win on saturday night uh, and his brother is chandler jones obviously a member of the las vegas raiders and uh you know obviously a very tight connection between them arthur jones their older brother john's the middle one chandler the youngest uh arthur jones the older brother super bowl champion with the baltimore Ravens. so a very very football-loaded family, a very athletic family. Clearly, uh, three guys that are kind of at the top of their professions, and uh, got to talk to John Jones a little bit this week, actually about Chandler Jones's touchdown. Very interesting conversation. Oh yeah, the big touchdown. Let's try to get to
0: Patriots.
1: Yeah, yeah, big conversation. I actually I asked John, uh, talked to John on the phone the other day when he ar- arrived in town, and one of the questions I asked him was, uh, what would be a bigger sports moment in Las Vegas? you winning the heavyweight title or your brother's touchdown against the Patriots
0: uh, in Las Vegas.
1: Yeah. Like, well, they're both going to happen in Las Vegas. Right. So I said, what would be bigger for the family? You know, your heavyweight title or Chandler's touchdown. Um, and he wouldn't quite answer. He said, what would you say?
0: I think you would say, well, you're talking to him. So that probably means you would say the touchdown.
1: Well, he wouldn't quite answer it. He, you know, he said, well, they're both very big in their own, in their own way. Um, but he actually was pretty honest about Chandler he said look it was a really really big touchdown for chandler and for the family because chandler signed this big contract he wanted to do so much for the raiders and according to john he's like look he just wasn't having the best season and that was such a big moment you know to win a game to do it that way on a, on such a crazy play he said now i don't know if this is completely accurate but he said i think it showed the fans that you know the money and the investment were worth it uh i don't know if that's true but I do think it was interesting that he kind of acknowledged, like, hey, for, for Chandler, it was a really big moment. And then he also said something that you know we didn't really think too much about, that not long after that, Chandler got hurt and missed the rest of the season. And John said it was really, really frustrating because he thought, hey, the touchdown was going to really jumpstart some things for Chandler late in the season, and he wasn't able to finish, so uh, that was very disappointing for him. But I thought it was interesting that he was open about that.
0: All right, let's flip the script then. If he is able to win his heavyweight and, like you said last night, cement his legacy, not that I don't know how much it needs to be cemented. He's considered probably the best fighter ever. What What in UFC, for people out there who don't know a lot about mixed martial arts or UFC, How difficult did this, to do this? You know, what does it mean? We know about boxers going up and down in weight, but in UFC and mixed martial arts, is it that common? And at this level, how impressive would it be if he did this?
1: Yeah. it's. I mean, it's happened a couple more times, you know, Conor McGregor kind of set the tone for moving around in weights, but if you think about it, you know, Conor McGregor went from, you know, he won the 145 title, 145 pounds, and he moved up and won the 155 pound title. Like that's a pretty big move, but you know, let, let's face it, it's not that drastic. And he was able to kind of do it against, um, you know, a guy that he overwhelmed when he won the title and, and Eddie Alvarez when he got 155. But uh, to go from light heavyweight, which is 205-pound limit, to heavyweight, which is 265, like that's a pretty drastic move. And that doesn't mean you have to be uh 265 pounds. We're going to see what John actually weighs in at uh on Friday. This is uh, Thursday we're taping this. But that's a big move. That's a 60-pound difference. You're fighting much bigger guys. And, you know, John said when he vacated the title back in 2020, uh, vacated the 205-pound belt, he said, I'm going to take a few months. I'm going to put some weight on, and I'll go to heavyweight. But when he started training, he realized, you know what? I'm not ready to make that jump. Like, it's, I can put on the weight easily. You know, he walked around at, like, 225, 230. Like, I can put the weight on, but it's not legitimate weight it's not you know it's not supported by my frame i've got to actually add to my frame so you know he stepped away for the three years to actually build that frame up so to go from you know fighting guys that are have to weigh in at 205 to fighting guys weigh in at 265 that's a big jump Pretty impressive move and i I think it would you know he said the reason he's doing it is he wants to leave you know even if people say he's the best ever he wants to leave no doubt like he doesn't want a conversation to be had he mentioned you know, when you talk about Jordan and LeBron, it's, oh, well, Jordan has these many rings, and LeBron and Sarah, and LeBron's bigger, and, like, all these other things. Like, there's all these points of discussion. Johnson, it's kind of important to him that there's no points of discussion, that it's just, yeah, John Jones is the best ever. That's clear. And I think pretty certainly he can ice that uh, if he's able to win this fight. That's
0: my question. Uh, you're our expert on it. If he wins the fight, is there any question?
1: No. And, and look, I, I told him uh, when I talked to him on the phone when I was, uh, when I was talking about this, when he said, I want to leave no doubt. Uh, I said to him, John, who has doubts? I don't. I mean, I don't know who, who out there does. So, like, who are these people that are pushing back that you're the best ever? And to be fair, like, there's people that say he shouldn't be because he has tested positive And, you know, uh, there was a lot of kind of loopholes in the in the rules of the testing. And certainly he tested positive for cocaine one fight. He said the suspension, the legal issues. Uh, but in terms of being inside the cage, it's very tough to argue anybody else. But when I said who's debating this? Um, but he kind of laughed and he said, "You know what? You're right. Everybody seems to agree. I might as well just pull out of this fight now." Uh, but obviously, he's <laughs> joking. He's joking. But it's it's tough to. It, I mean, you know, you look back at Eras. George CPR had a great run. Um, Anderson Silva was great for a long time. But John Jones, when he when he was the light heavyweight champion forever. It was the elite division. He fought nothing but former champions and crushed them. Uh, now, you know, he, then he takes on Daniel Cormier, who came down from heavyweight. Like, he's gone through the gamut. There's, there's nobody with a more impressive resume. And for those that, uh, uh, his record and say, oh, he's 26 and one. The one loss, it was very fluky. Uh, he was dominating a guy in 2009, early in his career. He landed about 27 straight elbows. And one of them happened to be illegal and he got disqualified. That was his one loss in his fighting career. So uh, not many blemishes in terms of in the cage for John Jones. And uh, it would be interesting to see Chandler Jones because I know what you're referring to is uh, Chandler Jones will be at the fight on Saturday. Uh, despite his close friend and teammate Max Crosby also getting married on Saturday, uh, what we understand, and I won't give away where the wedding is. I don't want to bunch of people hanging out outside, but uh, Chandler will attend the wedding early. Uh, and then get out of there, get over to the fight, and attend the fight as well. Max Crosby, who apparently has been in a little bit of a battle in terms of are they gonna watch the fight at the reception uh he told us yesterday that he won that argument and that they will be streaming the fight at the reception. He is a massive John Jones fan, so uh just so happened this fight got booked after the wedding I got booked uh the wedding will be the the ceremony will be over, and it'll be you know maybe four hours into the reception when the fight starts so Looks like they're going to try to stream it from the reception.
0: All right. Uh, My TMZ comment also had to do with all these weddings on the weekend because you love this kind of stuff. Uh, We also know uh, Darren Waller and Kelsey Plum reportedly are ready to tie the knot tomorrow. Was this bad timing or do you think the other couple, the star couple here that we're talking about, they've been kind of, you know, they've been behind the scenes more than Max and his girlfriend and having the baby and stuff. Everyone knew they were together, but it wasn't like, I think they put it and put it out there much. They were seen at ACEs games and all that. So do you think there's a situation where maybe that those nuptials are a little more on the quiet side uh, in, in terms of, you know, the big fanfare of a wedding?
1: Yeah, pretty much everybody I've talked to in terms of the Raiders are going to the Crosby wedding. I think the, the other wedding, is a very small affair. And I mean, you mentioned it. We all knew that they were together for a while. But it wasn't public, and I know when the you know when the new when we broke the news uh, Wednesday uh, that this wedding was happening on Saturday, uh, there was a a lot of surprised people that they were even together. So I know that they've done a really good job, you know, of being two superstar athletes, kind of hiding the fact that you know it's nobody's business necessarily. But usually those things are very very public. I think the people that follow very closely, and obviously the media people, we knew, but they've done they've done a pretty good job. There's been very very few times where they were out you know, public, um, I will say I, you know, I was at the, uh, XFL game last week and they were together and I talked to them and, uh, you know, it's not like they're hiding, hiding, but, uh, certainly they've, they've been very private. And then I think it continues with the, with their wedding plans as well. Uh, but I think the, the majority of, you know, it's a much bigger wedding, the Max Crosby affair. And I think that's where most of the, most of the team will be on Saturday.
0: I wonder if the uh, newly married couple, the power couple, makes the uh, appearance at the other wedding.
1: That's a good question, actually. I, I would guess no, right? I mean, they're, they're getting married. I would That's
0: guess no. I mean, they're getting married. It's their day as well.
1: Plus, I will say the... I don't know where Darren and Kelsey are getting married, but I do know uh, where Max is getting married, and it's, it's not in town. Like, it's not an easy... It's not an easy pop-in.
0: Right, right. Uh, all right, well, TMZ, there you go. There's your TMZ coverage. Vegas. Get in on the sports betting action and get on the STN Sports app. With 14 convenient sign-up locations across town, at Station Casinos, Wildfire, and El Cortez, you're only a few minutes away from getting started, no matter where you are in town. With a huge menu of betting options and points back on your bets, STN Sports is the strongest betting app out there. Along with the Raiders, uh, you came out with your first mock draft this week. I want to go over some of this stuff here. Um, In your first mock draft, you do it weekly now for the Review Journal through the draft or bi-weekly until you really get into... You know, down to April and the whole whole uh, whole draft situation. Um, let's start off with your pick at seven in Anthony Richardson, the quarterback of Florida. There's been reports the Raiders are meeting with a lot of the quarterbacks at the combine. Richardson, um, Will Lutz, uh, um, uh CJ Stroud and others. Is it your feeling more and more as the time goes by that they're going to zero in on one of these quarterbacks and whether they take them at seven to move up? That's kind of their thinking right now. If you had to make a guess here in uh, March 2nd.
1: Yeah, look, I'd be stunned if they don't draft a quarterback, right? No matter who they bring in, no matter who they trade for, what veteran they sign. And certainly it's possible that it's Jared Stidham that they bring back and make him kind of a bridge starter or even see what he can do as a long-term starter. He's possible. There are other possibilities, you know, Garoppolo out there. Still, the Mac Jones rumors, you know, the, the, the Aaron Rodgers trade possibilities, which I think are dwindling a little bit. But um, there's all these opportunities or all these options out there for who the quarterback will be. But I do think they will bring in a veteran, whether it's through a trade or free agency, most likely free agency, uh, into the mix to probably be the day one starter. And then they'll draft somebody. And whether that's in the first round or later on, I think that's the question. Do they move up? I don't know. It's going to depend on who they identify uh, as their potential guy in this draft. now I went with Richardson in this mock, I'm sure that'll change uh, going forward, just as, you know, different information comes out. But um, what, what I like about Anthony Richardson, or what, what I think the Raiders like about him too, if you're going to take a quarterback in the first round, uh, why not swing for the fences, right? I mean, that's, if you're making a first round pick, there's some guys that are safe. There's some guys that are, you know, more high risk, high reward, and he's more high risk, high reward for sure. But isn't that the kind of guy you kind of want to take in the first round? A guy whose ceiling is, absolutely unlimited you know i've talked about this several times but uh there are the josh allen comparisons out there i think josh allen has kind of ruined quarterback evaluation because you can look at a guy who's you know whose mechanics and whose you know, accuracy and things like that are just like almost unfixable and almost you know awful and say well he projects out that if he fix- if he figures it out he'll be good and you have that easy example of josh allen to say look he was bad in high school he was bad in college he was bad his first year in the nfl and he somehow harnessed all those tools, I think, you know, largely credited to Brian Dable, who's now the coach of the Giants, but they were able to harness those tools and make them into something. And Anthony Richards, has all those unbelievably strong arm, uh, good touch when he needs to, uh, can just rip the ball anywhere on the field and unquestionably by far the best runner among the quarterbacks in this draft. Like he's got it all to be that top level guy. Now, will he ever put it together? I don't know, because you look at his tape, there are more throws that you say, what is that guy doing than there are, oh my God, that guy's amazing. But the ones that are amazing are really, really, really amazing. And so I think you look at that and say, if we if we as a coaching staff can harness that and make him do those more, uh, then all of a sudden you've got an elite, elite level quarterback. And I think that's something you're hoping for. But you know, a guy like Bryce Young is safer. Uh, To me, like he's going to be good. I don't know that he's ever going to be elite elite, but I think he's going to be really good. So that's safer. Uh, But you also have, you know, you look back like Derek Carr was that. He was really good. He just wasn't elite. And like, do you want to swing for that elite possibility in the first round? So that's what I, that's why I went with Anthony Richardson in this spot uh, for the Raiders. I don't know that that's going to be the case. I do know that, you know, they have certain things that they want in a quarterback. I think Anthony Richardson fits it a little bit. Uh, But, you know, they still kind of believe in more traditional, you know, can stand in the pocket or fire the ball downfield. But they understand you have to be able to make plays with your legs as well. But I do think, in fact, I know that there's guys later in the draft that are quarterbacks that they really like. And I wouldn't be surprised if they wait and try to take them later in the draft. But, you know, it is it is a tough proposition, right? Because let's just say, for example, and I'm just making an example here. Let's say you say, all right. So top four quarterbacks, the guys that are projected in the first round, and we don't know that they're going to go in the first round, but right now you're looking at four guys projected in that first round being, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Anthony Richardson.
0: Will Yeah.
1: So you're looking at those four and saying, all right, we kind of like them. We don't necessarily know that they're going to be at seven, but we actually feel like we can wait till the second, third, even fourth round and pick our guy. Like we have a different guy than those four. We're going to wait. And then you wait. And somebody else feels the same way, and they grab that guy. Like, then all of a sudden your plan is out the window. So it's, you're not allowed to just say right now, hey, we like a quarterback projected in the third round. We're going to pick him in the third round. Like, it doesn't work that way. But I do think, I do think a guy like Hendon Hooker is a guy they will very, very much look at. And I think if you told them right now you could pick him in the third or fourth round, I think they would absolutely take that possibility. The issues with Hendon Hooker, he's old. I think he's your age, Ed, um, pretty sure. And so he, he's, not, he's not a young guy. By the time his first contract is over, he's going to be almost 30 uh, in the league. Like, that's kind of crazy. And so he also is coming off a pretty bad knee injury. And you combine the age, and look, he's not an old man with 25, but he's, you know, he's older for a prospect. He could, could have knee issues. He's probably not going to be ready to go full blast over the summer. So there's a lot of drawbacks. But I think the value that you get for waiting and taking him later is massive and I think that could be a direction they try to look as well.
0: All right. I'll 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 uh, go past your comment there uh, and uh, not mention it. Uh, he said, oh, God. like you. Would you exactly. Would you, exactly. Would you, Thank you, Larry. Would you, would you draft a player that was your age? Thank you, Larry. No, and I wouldn't draft one your age either. So, no, I wouldn't either. Neither would I. Uh, I just – I also think, and you're talking about Bridges when, when it comes to, you know, Stidham or something like that, what's the – What's the, if he's, if he's raw, like you said, and you know, he, he, you know, sometimes he looks great. Sometimes he doesn't, but if you're going to take a kid as high as 7th would wouldn't the, and you bring him in to compete, I get that. You bring him in and maybe bring Stidham in, but let's say they're close. Let's say even Stidham's a little ahead of him. What would be the harm in just saying, you know what? We took this kid at seven. We have to find out how good he is. We're just going to play him.
1: Well, a couple of things one it depends who you take right if it's bryce young if you trade up and take bryce young or even if he somehow falls the seven then now you're looking at it and uh you're like yeah we that's a that's probably a guy who's more nfl ready who you could put out there who you could play who you could trust um I, i'm talking more if you're going richardson or say a hendon hooker even a will levis i don't think is ready right now either um you know cj stroud might be closer that might be more debatable you don't want to throw them in the when they're not ready uh if they're ready and it's not going to crush their confidence, and they're going to play, you know, okay. I think I think it's kind of a different story, but we've seen it work both ways, right? I mean, I'll, I'll go back to the Josh Allen example. They threw him in his first year; he was atrocious, but they stuck with him. Like the Bills could have easily gone away from him and said, "Yo, he showed nothing. He was bad. We're done." But they didn't. Patrick Mahomes sat an entire season, and the difference is the Chiefs were a team that with Alex Smith thought they could make the playoffs. They thought that he they could even contend for a Super Bowl. So they sat Patrick Mahomes for a year. They let him adjust. They let him settle in. And it's worked out really well. So we've seen examples of both working out. I mean, Peyton Manning was awful his first year. His interceptions all over the place. Um, Andrew Luck struggled his first year when they threw him in there. Uh, we've seen guys sit and be successful. We've seen guys play right, way, right away and be successful. It all depends on organizational philosophy. But I feel like with, Mah- or excuse me, with McDaniels and Ziegler in the Raiders, I I think that there's a chance that they would probably prefer to just take a rookie quarterback and put him in there and let him play, but I don't know if they have that luxury because you're now you're getting a quarterback ready for a new coach because you're probably getting fired if you throw a rookie quarterback in there and you don't win any games. So they do have some pressure that they if they do get a, get a rookie quarterback, they've got to win enough games to keep their jobs. So they can see that rookie quarterback come to fruition. So that's the battle they're going to have to fight, and uh, I, I don't know. You know i don't know that they're able to do exactly what they want you know because i know fans out there are thinking like you go win, and their ownership is probably telling them go in and they're probably saying hey we'd rather develop somebody and be good in the future but you also have Devonte adams and max crosby and guys like that who you know you can't you can't just sit around and waste their prime either so you're in a really difficult position i would prefer to, to take the long game and maybe draft a rookie and let him play and work his way into it but I just don't
0: know if they have that luxury. Finally, I want to get back to uh, your your mock draft here. Chicago Bears, you had Jalen Carter going number one. We know what's happened to him in the last 48 hours. You think that Bears could still um, trade the pick. But with Jalen Carter specifically, um, two misdemeanors, uh, came back to the combine um, to go through the interviews. Uh, I don't think he was testing anyway, but to go through the interviews and now having to answer some other questions that he probably didn't think he'd have to answer. Um Ultimately, though, if this is all the charges that he faces, the two misdemeanors, um, let me ask some. He falls to seven. The quarterbacks are there or Jalen Carter's there. What would you do if you're the Raiders? It's
1: a really tough question. And, you know, look, I would take Jalen Carter over almost everybody in this draft. Jalen Carter is a game changer. He is a difference maker. He makes every single person on your defense better and probably everybody on your team better. He is the best prospect in this draft. There's no question. Um, it becomes a question for teams. If you want to deal with it, do you think, you know, lessons have been learned? Do you think it was a mistake that is going to live with him that he's going to you know, grow from and be motivated by? Like all those things are fine. The Raiders in particular have a very, very tough decision. And it, it's not, you know, it's maybe not fair to bring this up or point it out, but the Raiders have dealt with Henry Ruggs' situation for a couple of years now, and it's been hanging over them, and it should. I mean, it was an awful, awful tragedy that happened where a young woman is dead and her dog is dead because of those actions. Could the Raiders as an organization bring in a player who you know was involved in a situation like this? I don't know. It's a really tough decision for them to make. From a playing perspective, it's not a tough decision. If Jalen Carter was on the board at number seven and you ignore everything else going on, you are taking Jalen Carter. And if you're not, you probably should be fired. But I just don't know the Raiders in particular, uh, have a very, very unique, uh, circumstance with this, with this player and with the, this situation, which is really, really going to have to be investigated and vetted and, and figured out because it's a, it's a really tough call.
0: All right, let's go to USC. We'll go Gus uh, where we started. Tell me what happens with John Jones.
1: I think he wins. I think the blueprint is there. Uh, Cyril Gaon is a really, really good striker, uh, Really, really good on his feet. He's so, uh, just so able to throw strikes from so many different angles and so many different positions. But Francis Nganu, who is not in the same ballpark neighborhood planet as John Jones as a wrestler, had a bad knee injury when he fought Zero Gone and took Gone down over and over and over. And if John, if John Jones saw that fight, uh, and I know he did because he's been tweeting about watching it all week long. Uh, I think he's going to follow that same blueprint. I don't think he's going to put himself in harm's way to to take shots from Cerrone. I think he's going to take him down early and often, and I think the will can be taken from Cerrone. So we will see how John Jones looks at heavyweight. If he's moving around well, if he's strong, if he's able to carry his strength up, he never had knockout power, so I don't think he's going to carry any knockout power up to heavyweight. But um, I, I do think uh, if he's able to carry that weight and be strong and be you know quick and still keep his wrestling ability, uh, I believe he will. And I think he'll he'll follow that blueprint and kind of take the will from Zero Gone and take him down repeatedly.
0: What will the weights be?
1: Very interested to know. I I, I want to find out. This is uh this something we're gonna see tomorrow. Um, John Jones and his videos uh, that he's posting looks like he's incredibly ripped. Um, he looks he just looks like a bigger John Jones right now because he's you know wearing a lot of hoodies and sweatshirts. So I, that's pretty much what I've seen him in this week. So I'm fascinated to see him step on the scale and see where he's at. I would guess man, I'm gonna guess two. 45 maybe for Jones, but I, I would, I wouldn't be shocked if he was anywhere from, you know, 230 to 260. Uh, He could be anywhere in there, but uh, let's kind of go in the middle and say 245 and Don will be a little bit bigger than that. I'm, I'm very, very interested uh, for the weigh-ins more so than I am. I mean, not for the fight for sure, but uh, more so for the weigh-ins than I usually am. Uh, I want to see where those guys are at. All
0: right. Find all of his coverage at the Review Journal, UFC mock drafts, Raiders, and everything else he's been covering for us. He might even have a few tidbits in his Sunday column about weddings. That's going to do it for our latest edition of Unsports Conduct of the Vegas Nation, sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports and presented by the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Blue Wire. Remember, there are new episodes of Vegas Nation three times a week. Subscribe to Vegas Nation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcasting app. Find all that coverage and more at VegasNation.com. For our producer, Larry Meir, Mr. UFC himself, and my co-host, Adam Hill, I'm Ed Graney. We'll talk to you next week.